The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, Pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March to Zion broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace.
Good morning. It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. If you're a returning listener, then we thank you for your ongoing prayers and support. And if you're a first-time listener, we hope that you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. We rejoice in the message of salvation by grace alone. And we invite you to come and worship with us. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. So come and join us anytime that you can. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at my email address. It's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. Our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. We're going to hear a song and then bring to you a message from the Word of God.
Americans, we are accustomed to hearing about liberty, especially this time of year when we celebrate our independence. Next week, no doubt, in just a couple days, we'll all be gathering around tables in different areas of the country and celebrating the 4th of July. And let us never forget that July the 4th is a uniquely American holiday. As we see the evil agenda of those who would rewrite and intentionally misinterpret history, I often wonder when it will become politically incorrect for us to even celebrate our own independence on this particular holiday. But for now, we rejoice in our natural liberty and freedom as Americans. In 1776, our founding fathers declared liberty from an oppressive regime under which they had grown for many, many years. And sadly, it seems our nation has progressed in an all-too-familiar way, from humble beginnings, through great struggles, to incredible power and success. And now, success has led us, in general, to take for granted that sweet liberty. I wonder what the Founding Fathers would say if they could see that the liberty they handed down to us has led to such open abuses of that freedom. And don't forget this. Make no mistake that our Founding Fathers, for the most part, were Christian men. We don't need to forget that. They weren't perfect men. There's never been any perfect man except for Jesus Christ. But they were Christian, and the things that influenced them were the Judeo-Christian beliefs from the Word of God. So let's don't forget that. Now, our liberty today has led our nation to call murder, abortion, and to redefine the holy institution of marriage that it can be between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And we call this progressive, and also to embrace men, women, and boys and girls deciding whether or not they are male or female. Could there be any greater abuse of that sweet freedom that has been handed down from our forefathers than that? I tell you, it's amazing how far that we have come. And the saddest of all is for me to point this out to you, I will be referred to as politically incorrect and mean-spirited. You see, I don't speak this as a political commentator. I speak this as a minister of the gospel, as a believer that there is a standard for right and wrong, for truth and error, for fact and fiction. And that standard is a holy and loving creator who clearly defines what is right and wrong in the word of God. And that holy creator has provided his children with a glorious liberty that is beyond the natural liberties and freedoms that we have as citizens of this great nation. And if you hadn't figured it out already, that's my subject this morning is liberty. I know that's on everyone's minds because we're thinking about our natural national freedom that we celebrate next week. But I want to talk to you about something greater than just that natural freedom that we enjoy. Do you find yourself groaning under the weight of your sin? Do you sigh and wonder if there is any real and final relief from the burdens of this life? If you buy into the hopeless outlook of life that's out there in many areas like atheism and evolutionism, those are hopeless existence that have no future tied to them, that have no hope tied to them. It's just Right now is all you have. That's all you're ever going to have. And you're just going to you're just going to go back into some nothing. Well, I've got better news than that. I've got news from the word of God. And don't buy into the modern thinking of religion is just something I have fabricated in my mind, you know, to make me feel better. Let me tell you, you've got the guarantee of the Lord Jesus Christ who came and was resurrected and his grave cannot be found. It's not some kind of fictional fantasy that you've come up with in our minds just to try to comfort ourselves. No, it's the truth. And listen, if you find yourself groaning under the weight of sin and sighing and wonder if there isn't any relief from the burdens of this life, 
If you're burdened, then there's good news. And our Lord declared that good news, that liberty that we have in him almost 2,000 years ago when he cried out on the cross in John 19 and 30, it is finished. Those three words right there ring truer and louder than any liberty bell that you could uh, sound for ages and ages and ages. The sound of true freedom found in the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if you're burdened this morning, I'm so happy to share that truth with you. It is finished. And when he said it is finished, what he meant was this. He'd finished all of the requirements of the law in the Old Testament. He'd finished all of the things that his father sent him to come and do. And his father sent him to save his people from their sins. And we can rejoice in that. It is finished. What a beautiful beautiful sound that brings to our heart. And it gets better. Listen, not only did he declare liberty from our sins, but one sweet day he is coming back to deliver us in body. Now, we may be alive when this takes place. I sure hope that I am. It says we'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye in 1 Corinthians 15. But understand, as we do the things that we do on a daily basis, as we go about our business, as we go about and do the things of this life, And you walk around, what, in your body, (laughs) and your body gets older, and it begins to wear out. And I said the other day at church, I explained to everyone there, I said, you know, the way life is, is we start out in a room, in a bed, and somebody else taking care of us. That's the way we start out. We're a little baby being cradled in the arms of someone, and they do everything for us, and they take care of us. And you know, that's how life ends up. We end up in a room, in a bed with someone else taking care of us. If our life runs its natural course and we become older and unable to care for ourselves, we wind up in a room, in a bed, with somebody else taking care of us. And if you just thought about life in terms of what I just described, that's depressing. You think, well, all the in-between is just pointless because that's where I'm going to wind up. Listen, that's not where you're ultimately finally going to wind up because the Lord made sure that you won't just end when this life is over. No, he's coming to get his children, and we will be in our bodies. Romans, the eighth chapter and the 21st verse says, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. We're talking about liberty, and here is bondage. It shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Did you hear that? Now, the description of the creature there is, speaking of our own bodies, is speaking of our natural self. And that natural self, that natural body that we live in, is going to be delivered from the bondage that it's in. Did you know you're in bondage? Did you know that your body is in bondage? It's in bondage to sin, meaning that your body continues to get older and it will die one day if the Lord doesn't come back. But the Lord has planned, purposed to Take us out of that bondage. And it's not going to be a release from your body and you'll never be in your body again. No, it's going to be that your body itself is released from the bondage that the body is in. When the Lord returns and we'll enter into that glorious liberty, freedom of the children of God. There's no natural freedom that we have in this life. No national freedom that we have in this life that can compare to the eternal liberty the eternal freedom that we have through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Now don't miss this. Don't miss that the groaning and the travailing in pain is tied to bondage. I think about a prisoner when I think of this description. 
you know, a prisoner who is in prison, in bondage, groaning and travailing, wanting to be delivered from the prison that he's in. One of my favorite works of fiction, The Count of Monte Cristo, involves a man that was wrongfully imprisoned for many, many years, and it gives the incredible account of how he was able to finally be released in an amazing, miraculous way from that prison. But there's something in our minds that just fascinate us about being locked up, our freedom taken away. It's a terrible thing that we think about. I can't imagine. That would be horrible. I think of the old writer John Bunyan. You know, he was in prison for over 10 years. That's where he wrote the great work Pilgrim's Progress. And I can't imagine all that he missed during that 10 plus years. His daughter, his little bitty daughter, grew up during that time and he missed it all. Because he was in bondage. And yet, while he was in bondage, within in his heart, spiritually, he was free. And that's how he was able to write that great work that was the second most popular work for uh, many, many years, for almost 100 years. The second most popular work behind the King James Bible itself was Pilgrim's Progress. So think about this now. Here is a description of a prisoner. And it's referring to your body. Your body is in prison to the bondage of corruption. Corruption means the decay in death. How do we get in this terrible condition? Why am I dying? Why is my body in bondage like that? Because of Adam's sin. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam transgressed the law of God, he cast all of mankind and all of his descendants into bondage, the bondage of sin. Death was pronounced upon Adam. Now, it took Adam a very long time to die. It took him 900 years to finally have the physical side of that death catch up with him. But whenever the Lord pronounced that upon Adam, he spiritually died at that moment. You know, the word there in the book of Genesis, it literally means dying. He died. And so he died spiritually at the moment when he transgressed God's law. But his body began to die also, and it died many years later. So we descend from Adam, and therefore we're in the bondage of corruption from our forefather, Adam. But, oh, child of God, we have someone beyond Adam who looked down through time and saw the transgression of Adam and purposed to save a people out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation and wrote their names in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. Did you notice the Lamb's Book of Life? (laughs) It's not the Lamb's Book of death. It's the Lamb's book of life. And we have life and freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have been set free from that that held us in sway. And ultimately, one day when the Lord comes back, our bodies will be set free. It'll be a liberty like we have never known. He says, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth like a prisoner in pain together until now. And not only they, not only the creation, verse 23, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves like a prisoner waiting for what? Waiting for delivery having the chains taken off. Now, listen, spiritually speaking, when the Lord cried out, it is finished. The good news is that he delivered us. He put away our sins. But while we are in this life, we are still held captive to the body of sin. Yes, within us, we have the spiritual man that God has placed there sovereignly in the new birth by his choice, not by our choice, but by his choice. And yet we still are kept in bondage. Our bodies are. But one sweet day when he comes back, We will gain that which we have been waiting for. He says, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for what? For deliverance, for the adoption to wit, which means the redemption of our body. See, that's coming one day. 
See, the news is that Jesus set us free from the bondage of corruption 2,000 years ago on the cross at Calvary. And when he comes back one day, all the groaning and all of the pain and all of the wishing that we could be free from these dying bodies is going to be made true. It's going to come true. And whenever he comes back, not only will we be in spirit with him, but we will be in body with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice. Not only did he declare liberty from our sins, but one sweet day he's coming back to deliver us in body. And this verse of scripture here states that even our physical bodies will be delivered from the bondage into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So do you find yourself groaning? Do you feel burdened by the weight of sin? And do you feel burdened often by the things that you see around you and how corrupt everything is and how society's not evolving? It's not getting better. It's getting worse to take the wonderful natural freedoms that we have and descend into the depths of depravity and using that freedom in ways that our founding forefathers never intended for us to use in a natural way and to abuse our spiritual freedom that we have in Christ to think that we have a license to sin or do whatever we want to do. No, if you see God as your Savior and if you feel burdened over your sins and you see what he's done for you and how he set you free, you don't want to just live any old way. You want to live in honor to him. You want to show him how thankful that you are for what he has done for you. Over in 1 Corinthians In the 15th chapter, I already referred to it a little while ago, but you'll notice it's got some incredible information about that redemption of our body. And in 1 Corinthians 15, it says in verse 35, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Paul's very to the point here. He says, thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou soweth, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. What in the world is he talking about? He's talking about basic gardening. If any of you out there have gardens or like to garden, flower garden even, he's talking about gardening. You see, the Apostle Paul's not talking over our heads. He's talking directly to things that those folks understand. And I hope if we understand a little bit about gardening, this is what he's saying. He says, you're asking me what it means, what the body will look like in the resurrection one day. He said, just think about a garden. And when you sow seed in a garden, does the plant or the vegetable that comes up from that garden, does it look anything at all like the seed that you put in the ground? Take example of corn. You take that little yellow seed. It's a little gnarly looking thing, you know, kind of a rough and tough thing. And you put it in the ground and you water it, you cover it, you water it. And lo and behold, after some period of time goes by, that stalk shoots up from the ground from that tiny little seed. And then it goes higher and higher. And growing up on the farm out there near Gordo, we were known for growing corn when I was growing up. And I tell you, when I was a little bitty fella, you know, I couldn't even reach halfway to the top of some of those stalks of corn. Those things were so tall and they started out with this little bitty ugly seed you know the stalk looks nothing like what the seed was that's what Paul is saying and then if you think about the corn that comes from the shuck that shoots out of the sides of that beautiful green stalk (laughs) you see that corn now this the actual kernel of corn may look like the seed but the point is 
how that comes out from that one little seed, that whole thing all together looks nothing like the seed that was put in the ground. What about butter beans? Those are some of my favorites personally. I'll just be honest with you. I love them. What about peas? What about other types of seeds that you can think of that look nothing? i tell you a really good one is like okra. Think about how weird okra looks, or even squash. You know, you put that little seed in the ground, and that seed is covered, and it's watered, and it comes out, and it looks nothing. And by the way, it's huge compared to that tiny little seed. You know, Jesus even used the example in the scripture of a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, and it comes up with this big, beautiful plant. See, that's what Paul is saying. When we are resurrected one day, Just like that little corn seed goes in the ground and comes forth as something that looks nothing like the actual plant, so is the resurrection. Now listen, what if you could take someone that had never seen anything about gardening, didn't know a thing about gardening, and you took six or seven different plants, say a corn seed, and you showed it to them, and they've never seen a corn plant, they've never seen you know, an ear of corn, they just don't know anything about it. And you show them two or three different seeds and you say, okay, I want you to draw a picture of what this seed is going to look like after I put it in the ground, water it, and it comes up in about, you know, five or six weeks or however many weeks it takes. And you said, I want you to draw me a picture of what that looks like. It would be impossible. Could you imagine the pictures that you would get? That person would have no idea about what that meant or what it would look like. But we can understand a basic thing about the resurrection is that like that corn seed that goes in the ground, it's going to come out as a beautiful stalk one day. Now listen, I'll tell you a little funny story. Speaking about corn, and we used to grow corn a lot, the world must be very close to ending. But No, I'm not becoming some foolish date setter or telling you that I've discovered some hidden prophecy, but a few weeks ago, my mother, after she did what she did, I feel in my bones that the Lord's return must be very near. For ages, as I've said on the McCool farm, we've we planted corn and Not just old field corn, but a special sweet silver queen corn that requires the most detailed, laborious, intensive, step-by-step, and maddening preparation that you can ever imagine. We shuck, we silk, we cut, we scrape, we cook on the stove, not a microwave. And stir endlessly so that it won't stick, and you bag it, you let it sit, you freeze it. My mom, I'm telling you, she is the corn queen, let me tell you. Well, last year, my brother and I issued a direct order there that no corn was to be planted because we don't have time to fool with it. And you can buy it so easily at the grocery store. But nonetheless, uh, mysteriously, five acres came up of corn and mom put up about 2,000 ears. But we said this year, that's not going to happen. We're just not going to let it because mom's too busy. She's got too much to do. My dad is is sick and she's taking care of him. So after the shock of telling her that we're not going to plan any in a very kind way, she came to me not long after that. And she said, I want to tell you something. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I can't believe that in all my life I would ever say this. And she paused and. She said, but I'm relieved that we didn't plant corn. <laughs> and I, after I got myself up off the floor, uh, I looked around. I called my brother. He couldn't believe it. He was on the road. He almost wrecked. But uh, within my heart, as I heard that, I felt a swelling of hope for every child of God held captive by their sins, that there's no sin too great, there's no addiction too massive, no mountain too insurmountable, that if my dear mother could be released from the hole that that wicked silver queen corn had on her for those many years, and there's hope for any child of God that's gripped by their sin. Oh, goodness. I tell that funny story because I love my mother so dearly, and she knows that. But I want you to know, child of God, not only are we going to be delivered in spirit, but we're going to be delivered in body. And that's a glorious thing. These verses of Scripture should bring us hope 
And this 4th of July, while we rejoice in our founding fathers handing us down our natural liberty, let us look beyond and rejoice in our founding father, Jehovah, who purposed to send his own dear son to give us an eternal liberty one sweet day. We can rejoice in that message of liberty now by glorifying him in the way that we live and let this eternal freedom ring in our hearts and lives. You've been listening to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write to the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located seven miles east of Gordo and ten miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace.